Lord, don't, me, don't let me mess up what you have already done this morning. The music has absolutely put Jesus right where he belongs from the very first note and every song. Church, I'll be honest, I don't know the last time I, I've heard you sing so wonderful uh, and, and so worshipful as I've heard this morning, and man, just to God be the glory. Uh, truly, great things he has done, but you know, the older I get, uh, it, it, it grows, and, I, and I'm not changing the song or trying to make light or anything, but it doesn't even matter what he's done until we understand it matters who he is. It's not just about what he does for us. It's about the fact that he is God, and we're going to explore that a little this morning. I want you to turn with me again to Ecclesiastes chapter 11 as we wind down and begin the conclusion of the book as the writer begins to put the finishing touches and to draw things into attention uh, of where... He has explored throughout his laboratory that he has uh, conducted over these chapters. He has examined and exposed some truths of which we don't often enjoy. Truths like what Matt mentioned this morning, that our wives and our children and our work and our things are vanity apart from Jesus. That Jesus is our God. He is our Lord. Our, our Father in heaven. The, the triune God is first and foremost. And he said, I'm a jealous God. And anything else, he said, is vexation of spirit. It's literally a bubble that bursts that leaves no residue. It's just a fleeting vapor. But... God is what really matters. Last week we began looking at the four major emphases that he closes the book with by looking at the fact of life. And the whole book's about the laboratory of life. Well, he, he said last week that life is exciting and we ought to experience it. This week we look at the fact that life is a gift and we ought to open it. Life is a gift. Open it. Uh, you know, at our birthdays and our Christmases and things like that, we give and we receive presents and sometimes they're, they're wrapped and we spend more money on the boxes and the wrapping than we do the gift, but it's so exorbitant with all its bows and all those things. Uh, this week was a major accomplishment in one of our sister's lives. Elena uh, finished with her nurse practitioner. Now, you found out through an email, is that correct? It, it printed out on the computer, but it showed that, I mean, you had to go somewhere to print that out, right? And it could have popped up and you said, you knew you took the test, right? You knew you took the test. And they were going to tell you, I remember, because I texted her, congratulated her, and she took a 
selfie and she had her finger pointed at the big fat words in all caps, PAST. Pretty big deal, right? But you know, you could have looked at it and said, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited and I'm glad I took the test. I'm glad of all the time I spent in school, but I think I'm just going to leave it unopened. Exactly. Just like taking boards or, you know, whatever that big thing is. Can you imagine, parents, can you imagine your six-year-old walking in on Christmas morning and said, oh, what a beautiful package. I'm just going to leave it like that so I can stand here and admire it every day of my life. I'm just going to sit it up on my, on my dresser and every morning I get up and there's my wrap present. And when I come home from school, there's my wrap present. No. And it drives me crazy when older people want to save the wrapping paper. You're missing the point. They sell this stuff in all the stores. If you have a real big time, day after Christmas, buy all you want for uh, pennies on the dollar. But the whole point is to rip it open. And then the really devious people will spend a whole box of tape wrapping it and taping it down so that when you rip the paper off, I mean, you've got to have a Rambo knife to get in. I have literally been at that point to where we would rip the box open quicker than the tape. Here's my point. God has wrapped this life of gift, this gift of life for us. And yet, too often, wrapped with the pages of this book, wrapped by our time spent in prayer, wrapped in a worshipful presence with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and yet we sit it up in our life and we say, I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible. I believe all in Jesus and about Jesus and all that. But we never open this book. We never open in a word of prayer. We never open our hearts and our lives up to worshiping a risen Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do you understand we that have been saved for decades, do you understand? It don't happen every day. Matter of fact, it will only happen once in eternity that the Son of God left heaven, made lower than the angels, took on a robe of flesh, lived without sin, and they really crucified him to a cross. And that when he died, he shed his blood for you and me. Now, if you claim that blood, you have... you claim to be born again, then it deserves some praise and worship in our lives. But first, we need to open. We need to open this gift and see what Solomon has to say about that. Six times throughout this book, this being the concluding context of the six times Solomon challenges the reader to open and enjoy the gift of life. Real quickly, I'm just going to glance over a couple of them. Ecclesiastes 2.24, he said, There is nothing better for a man that, than he should eat and drink, that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw, that it was from the hand of God. Okay, We've heard all the negative down. Solomon's looking and said, All this is vanity, vexation of spirit, all this. But then he says, Hey, it's good. And then in chapter 3, verse 12, he says it, this way, I know that there is no good in them, 
but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. Chapter 5, verse 18, Behold that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he takes under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him. For it is his portion. It's good to work. It's good to enjoy what God has given us. And there's several others, but today we see the sixth and final time. In chapter 11, verses 7 through 9, he tells us this. Truly the light is sweet and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many, all that cometh is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer thee in the days of your youth, and walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. If life is a gift, and we believe it to be so, and we intend on opening that gift, and we have opened it by seeing who He is, answering His call unto salvation, and through repentance of sin, not popping gum and saying, I'm just going to change and everything will be good, but realizing there is no hope and help without Jesus that you are a wretched, vile sinner on your way to a devil's hell apart from Jesus. And the inrush of the Holy Spirit has made that which was dead in trespasses and sins alive by Jesus. Then we ought to celebrate it. We ought to celebrate it. Celebrate the gift. First of all, we see in verse 7. Once again, truly the light is sweet and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. He is, he is painting a picture of each day of our life. And he goes on and he basically says some days are better than others. But he starts by saying every day is a gift. Why to be thankful? I don't know about you, but there are some days I'm not, I'm not too thankful. I can complain with the best of them. I can complain when the cars don't work and the people don't do like they ought to do and everything that I plan goes haywire from the very get-go. When it seems like anything and everything in life has gone sideways. Psalm 118.24, a man who knew highs and lows, wrote, this is the day the Lord has made. We sing that on Sundays. We, we act like Sunday, hey, today's Sunday, so this is the day the Lord has made. He might have wrote that on a Wednesday. You know what? He may have wrote it on a Monday. Oh, a dread Monday. You know, sometimes we'll enjoy Friday night, we'll enjoy Saturday, but by the time the sun goes down on Saturday, we're already dreading Monday. I challenge you, I challenge you 
We've had lip sync challenges and dance challenges. Kiki, do you love me? <laughs> get up Monday morning. Listen to me now. Get up Monday morning. Before you do anything, before you turn on the news, before you drink your coffee, before you speak to anybody, between you and the Lord, say, this is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Set the stage and then challenge yourself each day to do that. Once you say it first thing in the morning, it'll be easier to say it throughout the day. The whole point is, if it is the day and you are experiencing it, as we talked about last week, then it is a gift from God and you ought to be thankful. You ought to be thankful. This is the day the Lord has made. I will do what? Rejoice and be you ever seen somebody that it's been a long time since they seen glad? Remember when we were little and, and you'd frown and pout and somebody'd say, uh, you better be careful your face your face will freeze like that. You know, I used to think, even when I was little, that's dumb. It, it's too, it don't get that cold in the south. My face can't freeze this way. Well, I'm gonna tell you. I've seen some people that would be a good argument that it can. You know, it's just always upset. There's no gladness. I'm, I'm telling you, you say, well, that's just the way I look. Yeah, because you choose to look like that. If God is in you and God has changed you somewhere, somehow, he's going to come out. And it's going to come out in rejoicing and having gladness in our life. Listen, look what he said in verse 7. I have, that's chapter 10. Let's go back to 11. Truly the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. He is saying, hey, the sun came up. As Tom Hanks said in the cast in Castaway, the sun will rise. Now, I like the way it sounds, but that's not necessarily true. He's talking about tomorrow. But tomorrow's not promised. But I can assure you, I'm looking out the front door, and you don't, I mean, you're welcome to. You can turn around and look. But you can take my word for it. The sun came up this morning. And technically, the sun did not come up. Okay, I get that. Don't come to me after, huh, preacher, I caught you on something. Sun don't rise, sun don't set. I know that, but it's how we say it. Sun's there. You know, every year of our life is a lap around the sun. We're rotating around it, but there was the presence. How about this? For all the scientific perfectionists, the sun appeared on our eastern horizon again this morning. And it will... I almost said sink. It will disappear on our western flank this evening. The point is, it's a new day. Today's a new day. It's a new day. We ought to rejoice in it. Hey, the sun came up. He's telling them. He said, listen, the light is sweet. I can remember... Going deer hunting, 
Getting up, man, it'd be cold. Oh, it'd be cold. It'd be so cold. We didn't have all the Gore-Tex and the line boots and stuff. I mean, we'd have these old jumpsuits that had, I don't know what they had, just some styrofoam or something. I don't know, and just regular leather boots. I remember getting so cold one time, I'd had a thermos of coffee, and I opened it and poured the coffee over my feet. They were froze. But I can remember be freezing. When that sun came up, just for a minute, it'd actually get a little colder. But as it started to really break the horizon, the, the beams of light would begin to come across you and you'd bask in it and it was warming to the soul. When's the last time you got up in the morning and said, thank you, Lord, it's a new day. It's a new day. The sun came up. I want to I do a, a scientific experiment since we're looking at the lab, laboratory of light. All right, so everybody here, everyone, this is something that doesn't exclude anybody. Young people, you'll be involved in this, even the little ones. And listen, the oldest of old in here, I want you to participate in this, okay? Do this, all right? I want you to sit there, and I want you to just focus real hard. It doesn't take a lot, but I want you to really focus, and I want you to do this. All right, you got it? You ready? All right, do this. Uh, anybody not do that? Anybody can't do that? Okay. So the point is, you're breathing. Uh, you say, preacher, that's stupid. I don't know about you, but I kind of like doing it. Do you know why we believe in immersion baptism? Number one, because that's what the Bible says. But do you know why? Because nobody breathes underwater. And it is the most vivid picture of Jesus. Listen, he didn't swoon. We, we've talked the last several weeks. It's come up in, in different aspects of, of worship uh, from the uh, uh, Apostles' Creed to the Nicene Creed, uh, through the Athanasian Creed, all those creeds. They came together for the sole purpose of putting down heresy. And one of the biggest things that sticks in my mind is they were arguing for the fact that Jesus is the Christ and he is not resemblance, has a resemblance of God. And they had all kinds of, the world had all kinds of ideas that he, he wasn't really born of a virgin. It was God's spirit entered into this body after he was born and God's spirit left his body before he went to the cross. All kinds of faults false doctrine, and so the writers of, of that Nicene Creed wrote these words, he is very God of very God. Do you know what that means? The very substance of God, the very essence of God is Jesus. Jesus is God, and you know what? And it blows my mind. He died on the cross, and when he died, he didn't go into a catatonic state. He didn't vamoose from the body. Listen, he died in the body. And when he gave up the ghost and he cried, it is finished, he quit breathing. He breathed his last. And they buried him in a borrowed tomb. And they could have stood there and every minute Every hour on the hour, 
try to surprise them, stick their head in, see if his chest was rising or not. You know, parents, when you go in, look at your babies in the, in the cradle, you know, and just want to, you all know what I'm talking about. We've all done it. Just, just to check, to make sure. Listen, Jesus' chest never rose, never went down. You could have checked him. No pulse. But because of him, we live and breathe and have our being. You're breathing today. Hallelujah. I mean, really? I asked old man one time, I said, how, how you doing today? He said, any day above ground's a good day. Lamentations 2 says that, he is, that great is his faithfulness. That his mercies are new every morning. That's why we can get up tomorrow morning and say, this is the day. Are y'all following this? I like Christmas. I like getting gifts. You know, sometimes the older we get, it doesn't mean quite the same, does it? It's just, you know. Because the truth is, we can't afford the ones we want. We still want. We just can't afford it, and we've accepted that our wants don't match. You know, you're old enough that your wants won't hurt you. Well, there was a time where it did. But it don't bother me as much. But sometimes now we just, we don't pay attention. Not a couple of weeks ago, I was cleaning out some papers in the attic, and some things had been moved around, and I was literally going piece of paper by piece of paper. They were old bank statements and tax records and all this stuff. And there was Father's Day cards and Mother's Day cards and pastor appreciation cards and birthday cards, all this stuff. And I came and I was going through all of it, stacking it all out. Emily had a stack, Ethan stack, big stack, me a stack. And we was going through it and I got one and it, didn't, it, it, it had Brother Matt on the outside of it. I said, oh, that's neat. Let's see you know, what kind of card and who it was from. Pulled it out, opened it up. $50 bill. Now, my point, my purpose up there was to get rid of trash and burn it. But I knew I needed to take my time and make sure we didn't throw away something. Honestly, I was doing it so Becky wouldn't say, did you throw this away? Did you burn? I want to make sure we didn't throw the wrong things away. But here inside a gift that had not been or it had been open, but not utilized. It was there. And you know, I just tuck it back in, sealed it, put it back in the pile. No. No. I mean, it was crisp. That thing looked like it had been prayer. I took that thing out, folded it up, shoved it in my pocket, took it home, took it downstairs, and put it in my wallet. I was like, dude, that makes all of this time in the attic worthwhile. His gifts are precious. His mercy's new. We ought to be thankful. But then look in verse 8. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, Yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. We need to understand every age is a gift. Every age. And we ought to embrace it. We ought to embrace it. 
imagine we may have four or five-year-olds in here, and we've got younger than that over in the nursery. And then we've probably got some in their 90s here today and everything in between. Now, we've already done the breath test, so we know you're living, right? Now, believe it or not, for all the rest, look, they may not look alive, but they're alive, okay? Every age is a gift, and we ought to embrace it. Not look down, and you know, you ever seen someone that can't grow up? They refuse to grow up. Look, they close Toys R Us, so, you know, you can no longer say, I don't want to grow up. you got to grow up. Toys R Us is gone. If you've never seen that commercial, ask somebody. I can't explain it. I don't have time. Uh, the point is, there are some people who want to act like they're 20 and they're 60. Some want to just, they always want to run with their buddies and stuff. I'm, look, there's a time to grow up. Paul said, when I was a child, I acted like a child. Now, adults, we'll get to this. Stop trying to make young people grow up too fast. But he said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Look at this, how we ought to embrace our lives. If a man live many years and rejoice in them all, Yet let him remember the days of darkness. There's ups, there's downs, there's highs, there's lows. And here's what he's trying to draw a picture of. In our youth, there, there's energy. Young people are energetic. We ought to be energetic. We ought to be on fire. We ought to be exciting. We ought to be thrilled. And listen, uh, Andrew and I spent a lot of time this week in planning for the future with our youth ministry here. We're playing on a D-Now weekend. August 31st, August 31st, so go on and book that thing, write it down, every one of our students, if you're in high school, August 31st, right here, Friday night, Saturday, all day, and Sunday morning, be ready for that. We looked at the MOVE conference this winter, passion for our college students, and already planning for feuds next summer, and then other things in between, but you know what? That's not the only thing we plan for. Well, I work with other men in our church on working on putting together some men's ministry outings and things for our Sunday school that we celebrate. We don't just celebrate children's Sunday school, do we? We'll have all our adult workers and what we need to be doing in our life. Listen, young people are energetic. But then older people should have some understanding. That's what he's telling us. Don't forget there's days of darkness. Older people can advise. Listen, the young people can use their energy and excitement to help us along our way while we give them understanding on how to use that energy. Right? It takes us all. And we ought to embrace that there's not a point that we live in. And we get this idea in our mind. You know, I remember when you turned... When we turned 25, we thought, man, I'm so old. And then when you got 30, you thought, when I was in school, 30-year-olds were old. I don't feel old. And you almost feel younger at 30 than you do at 25. And then it's 35, 40, 45, 50, you know. 
And the other day, my daughter said, Daddy, you're almost 55. And honestly, you don't know what I thought. I'm real spiritual now. I thought, I can't drive 55. I'm thinking, you know, I'm trying to relate it. I'm like, Sammy Hagar sang that 30 years ago. He said, he's still right. Hey, I'm good. Do you know who the oldest president, we talked, we, we played trivia yesterday. You know who the oldest person to be elected president in the history of the United States is? Was? Any idea? Nobody in my household can answer. Anybody have a guess? Who? Reagan? That's a really good answer. No. They, one of the reasons that's a good answer, they mocked him for his age, didn't he? And I love what he said to Walter Mondale. He said, I'm not for shameless reasons that people have talked about my age. I'm not going to talk. And Mondale was in his 60s. And they were talking about Reagan was too old and all that. He said, I'm not going to uh, draw light to uh, my, my opponent's youthfulness and, and young ignorance. I mean, he really threw off like he was really, really young. No, it's Trump. Trump is the oldest person to be elected president. Now, I'll tell you, it's not easy to run for president. It's not easy. I mean, it's every day, all day. How they can, and once you become president, having to deal with different countries that are uh, totally on the other side of the world and try to figure out sleeping patterns and all this other stuff. You say, oh, but they've got all these people doing it. Yeah, but he's got to filter through all that. And he has to give answers. And he has to figure it out. And you know what it did for me? If he can do that, then I can just, I can pastor a church and help with a family at 53. I, I think I'll be okay. Uh, understanding. But look, young people, he says, don't reject the advice of those who have already went your way. That's part of the gift. Part of the gift is being like Sam and my daddy, 83, 84 years old, who can shed light on where they've been and what they have seen. Sit down with them and ask them. Say, Mr. Lott, tell me about what it was like when you got saved. Talk with Jimmy Lee and Jimmy and LaDonna say, hey, tell me your earliest recollections of Eastside when it first started and right after that, what it, what it looked like. Those who have been around and seen those things. Talk with our senior adults and, and, and hear what it was like. Take advice. I, I'm telling you, listen to me. Those of you who are 35 and young, uh, even 55 and young, we don't know it all. Because 85-year-olds don't know it all, but they know more than us. They've already seen more. But now, listen, older people, don't forget your past. You were young once. These young people, man, they got the bridges hanging down, their stuff hanging all out. And Look, you did your thing. Some of you still tore up. I used Sammy Hagar in my sermon. Some of you listened to Elvis Presley. Do you know they would not even show him below the shoulder the first time he was on television? 
because they believed his actions were lewd because he was shaking his head. I don't know about you, but Conway Twitty didn't sing the most spiritual songs in the world. But I like them. I like some of them. My point is, all of us have a past. All of us have been young, and we've experienced. Look, just because you didn't live yours to the fullest of what you thought, don't try to be a wet blanket on the next generation. Okay? You get what I'm saying? All y'all do is sit around and play games. You're just jealous we didn't have them because you'd have done the same thing. Look, just because you didn't even have a colored TV to play games on. It's not young people's fault. And you were not bought, born out of time. My point is, don't forget your past. And I'm not talking about in judgment, but don't forget you were young and energetic and you went through school and you had your friends and you did those things. And he's not saying you can do whatever you want, live however you want. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, young people, listen, remember, older people can see it. You can't. There's days of darkness. And so don't misuse the gift of your life. The prodigal did. He wasted a lot of his time. Did he not? Anybody ever wasted a day? Just a day. You ever wasted a day? And when the sun set, you, you literally felt sick at your stomach because... You had other things you wanted to do, things you wanted to do, and you're like, I wasted today. I got absolutely nothing done. There are people who are laying on their deathbed today that feels like that. Young people, don't waste your youth on worldly living. Every time I flip the channel, see something about on intervention or something, and they've got the homecoming queen, they've got the football star, they've got the, the fired Major League Baseball player, and every one of them says, I didn't wake up one day and decide I wanted to be a heroin addict. It was little things that I tried and I began to use and I began to misuse them and then all of a sudden, I did wake up one day and I was a meth head. I was a heroin addict. I was an alcoholic. I'd lost my family, I'd lost my career, and I'd lost my youth. Senior adults, listen, don't quit. Don't quit. Every age is a gift. Embrace it. Solomon says, I got to a certain point and I thought I didn't need to hear from anybody. I had it all. I was the wisest man on earth. I had everything I needed. But I misused it and I quit. I quit what God had for my life. Listen, we ought to celebrate the gift by embracing it in every age. And then everyone and everything will be judged. Look at the latter part. Verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer thee in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know thou, that for all these things, God will bring thee into ju judgment. I want you to understand, there's absolutely nothing you'll do in your life that God 
will miss. Do you know the Bible says you'll give an account for every idle word? Literally everything you say that comes out of your mouth. And now we throw around the F word like it's just the and and. and. And it's not just the roughest of the crowd. It's, it's the pretty little 14-year-old girls. And it's God. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Church kids, listen to me. There's church kids on Sunday and the devil's kids through the week on your social media and everything. I'm telling you, God is recording it all. Every bit of it. Hey, tough, rough businessman. Work with your hands, everything out there and you pinch your hand something goes wrong something breaks and you begin throwing out the expletives you ever seen a kid embarrass their parents by using the words they heard their parents say in private be sure your sins will find you out there are no excuses I hit my thumb I, I, I was having a bad there are no excuses he said I am holy be ye holy no excuses, and there is no escape. There is no escape. Everything will be brought into judgment. Hear this. There are boxes. There are boxes that God never intends us to open. Think about it. One tree out of the entire garden, God said, don't open that gift. That's not yours yet. God told Lot, I will give you the gift of your family's life. Get out, but don't turn around and look. Right? Didn't he say that? He said, put blood of the lamb on the doorpost and on the little over your door because the death angel's coming through here this night and I will give you the gift of life if the blood has been applied. But it was a choice. And those anywhere in that city where the blood had not been applied, when they got up, there was death in the house. Right? There are boxes God never intends us to open. Don't try to go and to open what God never intended. Listen, that lie that's been perpetrated on generation after generation, you can be anything you want to be. Yeah, but there's a payday for that. God has a plan for you, specifically designed for you. Don't try to open somebody else's box. Just because it looks prettier, you know, like they've always said, the grass is greener on the other side. Yes, because that's where the septic tank is. Grass always grows green over the septic tank. Just stay in your yard. We was watching the British Open yesterday. My daddy said, that grass looks terrible. I said, daddy, that's the way it's supposed to look. Well, why? It's a golf course supposed to be. I said, daddy, it's, it's Scotland. It's where it starts and the wind blows off and the salt water. Oh, I still don't, I don't know why it's got, it looks, it looks dead to me. I said, I don't know, daddy. Beside that, that's just the way it is. And I've actually been, and all of you golfers where during the winter, you know what they'll do? They'll go out with green paint and paint the green. They'll paint them to make them look prettier. But you know what? They're really dormant or dead. They're not green. 
Sometimes gifts look beautiful, but you'll be glad you didn't open it. You know how, how you get to the gift? You've got to remove the wrapping. Look in verse 10. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Remove the wrapping. A gift cannot be enjoyed until it's unwrapped. We talked about that at the start of the service. Right? Y'all with me on this? I mean, you understand what I'm telling you. Tape's got to be cut. Paper's got to be ripped. And sometimes in our life, things have to be ripped away. Things have to be cut away to get to what God wants to give us. And yet there are barriers to God's gift that we let stand in our way. He says right here, remove sorrow. The word sorrow here is the same word that we see in Philippians 4 in the Greek, verse 6, that literally means to be anxious or great anxiety, to worry and to worry about tomorrow. Take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, Matthew said in 6, uh, 34. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 27, 1, he said, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you, you know not what a day may bring forth. Philippians 4, 6 said, Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything through prayer. With thanksgiving and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. You know what he said will happen? The peace of God. That blows our mind. Goes beyond our understanding. Will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, barriers to the gift is the anxiety. Oh, what if, what if I open it wrong? You know, when you get, and you want to try to open it, so you, oh, the paper's so pretty. I'm here to tell you, it's not the wrapping that is the gift in life. You know, just, just chew on that one for a little bit. It's not the wrapping. It's not, not always the wrapping of a person that reveals who they really are. Anxiety, worry, worried about, oh, what's going to happen tomorrow and how are we going to get through and how are we going to do? And if I, if I surrender to the Lord today, what's God going to expect from me tomorrow? And what's God going to do on my job? What's God going to do in my family? What's he going to do on my finances? I'm here to tell you, there's a barrier to God's gift for young people and it is anxiety. Get all tore up about going to school. If God wants you to go to college, God's leading you to go to college, then go to college. God wants you to go to work, go to work. But stop worrying about it. Just be what God wants you to be. Y'all know I'm a big Tim Tebow fan. If God can use someone like Tim Tebow, a great sold-out Christian, in a God-forsaken wasteland like the University of Florida, he can do anything in the world. I love reading his book. Have you ever read his book? What is really cool is... He's prayed about, he's between, he's narrowed it down, all these official visits, he's narrowed it down, I'm going to University of Alabama or I'm going to University of Florida. Now his father graduated from Florida, but he was almost not wanting to go to Florida because of that. But they had both courted him, and he was such a highly respected and, and, and revered, they couldn't wait to see him play, that ESPN 
was going to broadcast his official college signing live on ESPN. And so he's behind the curtain. And they come back and they say, Tim, it's about time. We're going to give you the countdown. And then we're going to go live and you're going, going to be there. So we need to go on and get you out. We're, we're, at, we're at 30 seconds. He said when he stood up from where he was sitting and he grabbed his paper, the play, it said, I'm happy to announce today that I have committed to play my college football career at the University of, and it was blank when he got up out of that chair. And he went and he sat down at that table and they said, three, two, one, we're live. And they start talking to him, Tim, we're excited to have you, blah, blah, blah. He said, and when I went to read it, it was still blank. He said, I love the coach, Shula, at Alabama. It was great, everything wonderful, exciting. Really, honestly, when I walked out, I thought I was going to say the University of Alabama. He said, but when I read University of, he said, Florida came out of my heart. God laid it on, God put it there. Sometimes, listen, you, we can be a little concerned. Where am I going to go to school? What am I going to do? How, what kind of job? But listen, step by step, just take the step. What, where would he have committed if he had stayed in that chair and just left it blank in his heart? Never said He wouldn't win. Anxiety, ignorance. Barriers to the gift is ignorance. Just denial. We just deny there is no gift, there is no, and just live in open sin like there is no God. You know, there's two kinds of atheists. There are the intellectual atheists that tell you, based on study and based on science and based on what we can see in empirical data, I'm here to tell you that you should believe there is no God. Now, agnostic says we can't know that there's a God, but an atheist, a very proud, arrogant, intellectual atheist says, we know there is no God. So I believe in God. Hallelujah. But you know what? The churches are full of practical atheists who come in and sing blessed assurance, sing standing on the promises, sings because he lives and victory in Jesus. And then in the world, the world sees you live like there is no God. That is a practicing atheist. Living in open sin. Obstinance. Just being stubborn. Refusing to change with the gift that God has given us. I've seen people have God's call all over their life, but they refuse to allow God to change their life and be surrendered. Churches that God wanted to bless, but when He began to change some of their DNA and the, the model because of the uh, surrounding communities, they died. Church, you change or you die. Don't be obstinate. And then indifferent. Just, just indifference. Just don't care. We just don't care. We don't care about youth. We don't care about children. Let them go to hell. That's between them God. I ain't got time for all that. Let somebody else teach. Let somebody else keep the nursery. I did my time. It's not prison. Not like you pay your debt to Jesus and you pay it off like you're paying your debt to society. 
It's a debt you cannot pay. We give and serve out of a labor of love. Y'all understand that, right? You can't pay for your salvation. It's free, but we love him, so we give. We serve. Don't be indifferent. Listen, adults that live, listen, this, this is strong. Everybody listen to me. Adults that live like the Lord and his church is optional should not be surprised when the next generation believes that Jesus and his body are unnecessary. You hear what that said? Adults that live like the Lord and his church is optional. Well, we'll go to church if we don't have somewhere to go on vacation. We don't have a ball game. We don't have people to see, things to do. Adults that live like the Lord and his church is optional should not be surprised when the next generation believes that Jesus and his body are completely unnecessary. Indifference. We just don't care. Many people have no idea how to live because they have never or have forgotten how to die. We, 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 this barrier to the gift is we, we've forgotten or we, we just don't remember how to die. Romans 6 tells us that. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet it is not I, but it's Christ that now lives in me. We need to remember to die daily. But then to conclude, we have celebrated a gift. Hallelujah, it's Christmas morning. Every day of our lives, this is the day. We have celebrated by being thankful, by embracing the gift God has given us of life at every age and understanding that everyone and everything will be judged. We've removed the wrapping. It's right there in front of us. But now we need to read the card. You know what I'm talking about? You know when you sit down and your child's at Christmas or especially a birthday. Y'all know what I'm saying. You sit down with your parent, with your child, and your child's sitting here, and you're too old to get down there, so you sit in a chair. They've got all their presents. Man, they're piled up. And what do they do? Just the same thing we do as adults with the gift of God. Sometimes we rip into it. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're ripping into it. We're looking at all that. And what does the good parent say? Who is that from? And you know one of the scariest moments is when people's come over and your kids are like four and five and you're really worried about some things. And so you're like, man, we're three presents in and I've got to backtrack and figure out who these are from so that everybody gets, you know, everybody gets told thank you so that they're not mad and they quit being our friend. And so you're like, hold on, stop the presses. Let's go back. And, and you're trying to find the piece of paper that has the card on. I've been there. Y'all been there. I've challenged us today from Solomon. Solomon challenged us. This is the sixth time he said, listen, life is a gift. Life is a gift. Open it. Enjoy it. Embrace it. But don't forget to read the card. He said in verse 1 of chapter 12, remember now your creator 
in the days of your youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders cease because they are few and those that look out the windows be darkened and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low. He shall rise up at the voice of the bird and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also when they shall be afraid of that which is high and fear shall be in the way and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail. Because man goes to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets, or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it, it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. All is vanity. Listen, when we read the card of life, we realize He's our creator. He is the creator of our life. He is the giver of all things good. All things good. He tells us that in James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift, gift is from above. He's the giver of all good things because he created it. He is the final authority. He Over and over in these verses, the silver cord, the golden pitcher, all that, he is saying the preciousness of life is fleeting. The desire is fading. People who are on their deathbed, they they don't want to eat a steak. They don't want iced tea. They just, I remember one man on his deathbed, all he wanted was a sip of buttermilk. That's all he wanted. He said, if you could just, we looked all over that hospital, find him a thing of buttermilk. That's all he wanted. Just a little sip of buttermilk. All that is fleeting. And what we need to understand is God is the final authority of your life. It's not what people say about you. It's not even what you think about yourself. He is the final authority. And when it comes to the end, we need to understand. Romans 6, 23 says this. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He is the gift. As they come to the instruments, Jesus Christ is the gift of life. He, for our trespasses and sins, died on a cruel cross so that we could open the gift. That is eternal life. Are you experiencing the life God has given you, child of God? Are you lost here today and you have a, a head knowledge about Jesus? You, you like to sing about that. You like to be around you know, good moral people, but you know there's never been a moment in your life where you confessed your sins and you understood your judgment is coming and the wages of that judgment, the payday in that judgment is death. And you need to come and accept, open, and acknowledge the giver. 
and receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you need to pray today, you just need to say, you know, Lord, you keep giving me these gifts and I just keep piling them up. I nod my head at you, but Lord, I just want to take a moment, come and bow my head to say thank you. To say thank you without angst and anxiety and worry and ignorance and indifference to where I don't care anymore. Lord, quicken me that my desire be about you and not the world. What is it you need to do? Stand and come. Come to Jesus. Open the gift. Open it. Don't put it back on the shelf. Open it.